so it's been two weeks since we last talked is that right that sounds about right and not much has really changed so my theory for this podcast in the beginning was us throughout the school year talking about like college and our experiences starting it over summer was definitely my mistake (laughs) that was not your biggest brain it's definitely easier to wrangle us all together yeah so now we just have months of podcasts to record with nothing to talk about but we're making it work i mean it's summer so we should be doing things thinking of like using these episodes as like a background on us before like we talk about us actually being in college when our classes begin in the fall that's true and you guys start way before i do i start august 22nd when do you two start i start september 22nd that's a whole month yeah it is a whole month it is very late yeah because they're on the quarter system and they're 10 weeks so they do it weird no, we don't you do three quarters? That's still 30 weeks? Yeah. It's two less than what I used to do. Oh, so wait, when do you get out? Uh, Like mid-June. Okay, I know I get out mid-May, so it's just shifted by yeah. a month. I just do things a month later than you. A little odd. Works for me. Little when do you odd. start, Sam? Sam? Yeah, is your schedule like mine, or...? I have even checked when I start again. <laughs> Sam... There are many things I need to do. And what do I do? I play video games. (laughs) Leave that little bit of anxiety on the wayside for the moment. Yeah. You deal with that tomorrow. And then the next day and the next day. (laughs) Put it off till a new game comes out. Wait, I need to play that new game. (laughs) The paper is due tomorrow. I can just do it tomorrow. That's that's why you get evening classes, right? God, I hate evening classes. That's something I just cannot stand. What was the latest class you had? Okay, so the latest class I had was... It was a 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. differential equations class. Which was only... It was only uh, tolerable because the teacher was fantastic. And, like, he was good enough that I stayed an extra hour for his office hours. Like, the teacher was incredible. If he was, like, any worse, it would have been way too late for me. And then I will have, this next semester, classes that go from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Yikes. Yeah. I'll put up with it, but it's... I, I cannot stand evening classes. They're just too late. It's bedtime. I used to have, uh... 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. classes. I had uh, Japanese, then French, then uh, another Japanese class that was like that. I don't know. Wait, Japanese, then French, then Japanese? That sounds like hell on earth. No, like the first time I did it, it was for Japanese. And then the second semester I did that, it was for French. And then the third semester, it was for my uh, study hall class, which was Japanese. But since it was like 6 to 7.50, it wasn't like terrible. It's just like you hang around in the evening and then you just go home. Okay, I thought you were like describing like your classes in a row. Like you had a French class and then a Japanese class and then a French class. No, that's going to be my uh, coming semester, probably. 
That sounds nightmarish. It'll probably I be fun. Imagine switching between different languages between classes. It is probably going to be brutal, but I think it'll be good for my cognition. I hope so. <laughs> be good. It'll be a good mental exercise, I think, to like think quickly. I hope so. I hope so too. Best to look on the bright side for these kinds of things. So, Simon, you're the only one with a story from these past two weeks, so... Yes. Yeah, tell us. Okay. So, I have a friend who... He's a poli-sci major. And he was he's he is working for a uh, presidential campaign, which is pretty cool. But uh, the presidential candidate that he works for, basically... Uh, he's the only person in the area who lives near him. So they were trying, since he just qualified for the debates, but not really, because the DNC is a fuck. <laughs> uh, Alright, so Simon, the candidate is a Democrat? Yes. He is a Democratic... Well, there's only like one person who's like, I might run against Trump right now. So it, by process of elimination, this is a Democratic candidate. Okay. Obviously, the most qualified. Yeah, and that's also why I mentioned the DNC. Yeah. Anyway, since he's the only person working for this campaign who lives near this candidate, uh, the campaign managers are like, "So this, so this is your, this is your friend you're talking about who lives close to the candidate." This is my friend. Okay. No, my friend is not the candidate. He, oh, okay. <laughs> we just happen to live near the candidate. Ah, he lives in Carmel. No, he does not live in Carmel. I will not say where he lives. <laughs> All right. But he has a nice house. Um, Carmel. <laughs> no, it's not in Carmel, but it's a nice <laughs> neighborhood in a shitty town. I will say that. I mean, you have to be independently wealthy in order to run for presidential office because it is, it's not a cheap. No, they're running off of. No, he's the only person to qualify by donations alone and not their polling. Ooh. And he's also a former senator, so he's not poor. Yeah, he's not poor because he's a politician. Yeah. So, uh, the uh, campaign people were like, hey. I mean, former senator from California, he's not really a non No, he's assistant. not from California. Ooh. Wait. He is from New England somewhere, I believe, and then he was a senator from Alaska. Which really narrows it down, but... Oh, Alaska. Alaska. He, but he lives in California. He's that old. He's an old man. Yeah. Well, California is very nice, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. Very nice state. I highly recommend going. It's very expensive, though. LA is not that nice. <laughs> um, the, can't, the people running the campaign live in New York. So they can't, like, do a live stream with them, which is what they want to do to celebrate, like, them qualifying for the debates. Oh, yeah, like, live stream, like, on Twitch? Yeah, they did this on Twitch. Boy, I was talking about this. I was betting someone in the DNC was going to start live streaming to, like, be hip with the kids. Well, this wasn't really, like, is doing. It's more like a one-off thing, I suppose. Uh, but, like, the campaign managers are, like, 18 or something like that. So, like, they're... They know what they're doing. No, they know what's hip with the kids. Yeah, because they are the kid. Have we seen Bernie Sanders has a Twitch account now? I saw the memes, but... I love the meme where he's killing Toriel. That's fucking great. Get wrecked. 
Um, so yeah, so they wrangle my friend to like, hey, we need you to buy like a camera and these sorts of things so that you can stream uh, Fortnite. The candidate. Yeah. No, there's like talking about like their policy ideas. And uh, so he like figures out how to work OBS and then he calls me and my friend. He's like, hey, <laughs> I need you to help me. Like get some stuff to uh, do like a live stream for this presidential campaign that I'm doing. So if I just ropes you into this? We, we were roped into this <laughs> and I was a little excited because like, hey, I get to meet a presidential candidate, candidate which yeah. is not something you get to do every day. So Definitely unique. better than just sitting around. <laughs> it's, you know, something to do. So uh, we hop in my car and we like get some stuff that we didn't end up, ended up needing because we could just do it off his computer. But it's, it's just blah. So, yeah, we just go to his house. It's a very nice house. Uh, we get there, like, a little bit before the uh, live stream begins so that he can get himself set up and we can figure out, like, where everyone's supposed to sit or whatever. So, uh, in the meantime, me and my friend just cut up boxes for uh, the candidate's wife. Okay, just help him with chores. And so we're, like, chat and eat some grapes. Just do a couple chores. Nice lady. <laughs> they have a nice house, as I said. So, like, what kind of live stream is this? What's going to happen? Well, it happened, so it's past tense. And you know what I mean. I kind of knew, like, they're just going to talk about policy, and that's really just what they did. So is this, like, a Skype call with other politicians, or was it actually, like, a live stream that the public could view? It's a live stream the public could view. Okay. And it was basically him having a conversation with my friend and uh, the... People who uh, run the campaign managers who are slightly famous now because of this campaign. Okay, so it's a scripted interview, but it's being live streamed? It's not scripted. They're just taking like questions like people have off of Twitch and then they ask uh, the candidate. About oh, that's it. interesting. Yeah, it's a good thing to do. So, you know, you get to know like. Do you have the VOD? Can we put the VOD in the description? Uh, I do not. I don't know what a VOD is, to be frank. It's it's the video of the live stream? No, I do not have that. I don't know where I would find that. I could ask my friend. You could, or we could just Google the man's name plus the word live stream after it. That is true. Let's see if anything pops yeah, up. Yeah, you search for it, because I don't remember the guy's name. I do. Of course you do. You worked for the man. The shook his hand, shake his hand and everything. It was very nice. While Simon does that, do you have any thoughts, Sam? I did find it. I do not appear in the live stream, though, but my Ooh. voice does a couple times. Or No, he, oh, my voice only appears once. To help jog his memory. Your voice makes a guest appearance. <laughs> Yeah, my voice does make a guest appearance. All right, is the VOD just on YouTube? It's on YouTube. Yeah, let's put a link in the description. I'll send the link. I'd rather not, but... Sure. That kind of eliminates the point of not saying his name. <laughs> I mean, it completely d does, yeah. but then we can just say his name. I'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather not, like, mention who this person is. Well, I mean, he's running for president. He can't be anonymous. That's not how. It's not how this works. 
<laughs> vote for this mystery candidate. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to vote for A, Joe Biden? Well, he's not... He, to give it away to people in the know, he's not running to win. What, wait, is he not running to win? What's he running for? Uh, to meme on everyone, basically. Okay. What, like, what do you mean... This isn't Vermin Supreme, by the way. It is not Vermin Supreme. I do enjoy Vermin Supreme. So, okay, what do you mean by meme on everyone? Can you explain what you mean by that? Well, not necessarily meme on everyone, just be like... He's he's pretty much like... His gig is that he wants to get up on stage and call everyone out for, like, not being progressive enough. Okay. And since he's really old, like, he doesn't want to be president, so he's just going to dip after the debates if they let him come to the debates that is we're not going to keep that man a secret though if he's trying to be the meme candidate he can't be anonymous well he's not necessarily a meme candidate because he's too old to like really be a meme but like i guess he's just really just gonna shit post he's the meme candidate if he's shit posting that's how this works uh, mr right. gravel gravel as he's french he's french canadian gross french and canadian those are the two worst things you can be well he's born in america but his parents are french canadian so he just wants to insult the other candidates and not win yeah that's pretty much it uh, have you read uh fire and fury it's the novel no, about I... the trump presidency it's written by a person who was allegedly on his staff and it's like that was Trump's. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Like, Trump's campaign was just to make fun of the other candidates and not to win. And then they won anyway. I think I have it on a great meme. Like, he's pretty much going to call, like, Joe Biden young blood because he's older than Joe Biden. It's good <laughs> shit. So you helped out with the live stream. Are you doing anything else with this man's campaign? Uh, I don't think so. No. You don't think so, so you're not sure yet. Uh, well, I will be uh, not in Carmel anymore in a couple weeks, so I don't think there's much I can do. No, you're leaving Carmel hyphen by hyphen the hyphen C? Yes. Where are you going, Simon? Cut that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't planning to keep your new location. Well, I don't know. I'd rather not. He'll debate it later. I mean, they know you're going to UC Santa Barbara. That's true. Also, we're assuming anyone's actually going to listen to this. That is also true, homie. (laughs) Very big assumption. So, Simon, you've worked on one presidential campaign. When are you going to start your presidential campaign? Uh, The youngest candidate is 35, and I don't even think that's legal. It is. 35 is the minimum. I thought it was 40. Well, I was mistaken. 35 years, natural-born citizen, So lived in the U.S. for in 14 15, years. Well, I've done that and some more. Um, Good job. So in 15 years. 15 years. 15 years, when I run for president, if America still exists in 15 years. Then it'd be weirder if it didn't. <laughs> it'd be a very interesting timeline. If this podcast is still running in 15 years... <laughs> This is where I start my presidential campaign. I don't know. I'd, 
I don't know which party I'd run for because I think in 15 years, I think their stances would change. Like, policy standpoint or platform would change pretty drastically in 15 years. Absolutely. Maybe my, it wouldn't, but... My question was not, what party are you going to run for in 15 years? <laughs> That's true. So if you were elected president, imagine it's imagine it's like right now, and they would, they would just made you president of the U.S. like right now. Is there anything you'd want to do? A lot. <laughs> Alright, make a list. Oh, uh, uh, pass the Green New Deal. Really? And enforce it. Join the Paris Climate Accords. My political views, which I don't want to spill the beans on, but I'm being forced to. I mean, against my own will. Please don't. You said you support the Green New Deal, which puts you quite left of center, being generous. Yeah. <laughs> um. I would. It doesn't have to be serious. <laughs> what would I do that's not serious then? I would give everyone a free pony. No, I mean like... <laughs> trying to think of a way to phrase it. It's like something you do that's like not like a hot button political issue. <sighs> that is... Whenever he cuts out, I like to imagine he's still talking. And we just can't hear him for like a minute. I'm not. I'm thinking of something that I like would do as a president that isn't a hot button issue. I mean, re-annex Cuba, make Alaska into a territory again, invade <laughs> Canada. There's many things you can do as president that aren't hot button political issues. Do we invade Canada? Yeah. I will. Um, I will retake the Panama Canal. Exactly. <laughs> Take control of the Panama Canal zone again. Reclaim the Holy Land. I will set up. I'll set up Hawaii as a puppet kingdom with an actual king, and their official language will be Hawaiian, and that'll be the sole language taught in schools. I mean, we had that problem once before, and we solved it by getting rid of the king. Yeah. So just make it a problem again. <laughs> It'll be great. We'll solve a problem that isn't a problem by making it a problem again. Precisely. Uh, I would... Uh... Make a gamer a real ethnic thing that will pop up. <laughs> exactly. Add gamer as uh, one of the list of protected classes. I'll be America's first gamer American president. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is perfect. That's going to be the uh, title That's of the podcast. We can skip like the boring political stuff I was actually going to like talk about with just like that. That's exactly what I want. I want it to be funny. The first gamer president. The first president of SMP Live. <laughs> I would get rid of all like the uh, exercise stuff at the White House and just build a giant like man cave. Is there an exercise room in the White House? I know there's bowling. Yeah, there's in the White a House. there's a basketball court, Ooh. and I imagine there's a gym. I don't know. Have you guys actually been to the White House? No, I've never been to the East. I went there on a trip to DC. It is so much smaller than it looks. I bet. It just is a building. Yeah, and it was, like, built in, like, 1815. So if you actually go to it, like, it looks big when you're really close to it, but standing on... If you, if you stand on the White House lawn, it's uh, it looks bad because there's homeless people all around it, but if you look at it from, like, the path, where, like, you always see protesters, 
It looks so small. I bet. Because it is just like a house. Yeah, it is just a house at the end of the day. First presidential Fortnite stream. Ooh! <laughs> I didn't even put... No, I wouldn't do Fortnite. I'm going to aim higher. I am going to do the first presidential Minecraft Hunger Games uh, stream. Ooh. Highbrow, highbrow. You play against other senators. <laughs> <laughs> I play against my cabinet. Exactly. <laughs> I invite, like, the... Uh, like, whoever's, like, the uh, opposing party, like, the main guy from that party, and challenge him to a one-on-one of Rust. Or one-on-one <laughs> uh, Final Destination, no items. Three stock. No, it's Final Destination, Fox only, no items. You gotta have the Fox uh, only in there. Yeah, you didn't put in Fox only, one of the most important parts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, my Melee fans. It's not balanced if you don't say Fox only. Uh, I'm gonna have to start meeting Fox. Get on it, Simon. You got it trained for 15 years for when you're president. <laughs> I know. Replace all presidential debates with Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wins gets the policy. Uh, I'm just going to abolish like the entire legislative system and just replace it with a giant melee tournament. <laughs> I will annex Canada. For sure. Challenge their president to a game of... Uh... Whoever wins gets to annex the other country. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just gamble more and more states. Like, at first they gamble, like, uh, Saskatchewan, and we gamble, like, Montana. Saskatchewan, yeah. We gamble Florida. We gamble Florida first, of course. <laughs> That's a very wild card gamble right there. I mean, we're already trying to saw off Florida. <laughs> That's true. I feel like the ocean's going to do that for us, so. We settled the Korean War with a game of StarCraft. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, calling, like, favors from Korea since we are, like, their overlord or whatever and just, like, get, like, their best StarCraft players to just curb stomp Canada and annex Canada. <laughs> Now I'm saying that's how you solved, like, uh, the North Korea, South Korea thing. You just have, like, a big StarCraft game. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's how we're gonna solve that issue. Exactly. You just mediate it, Simon. <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll be the moderator. I'll be like, yeah, I'll be like the guy, like talking on like the uh, screen or whatever, like the announcer, or like a. You must construct additional pylons. No, not like the announcer, like in the game, but like. <laughs> okay. Um, for like the TV, I'll be like the guy like talking about it. The commentator. You know, I know not. Yeah, the commentator. That's the word I was looking for. I'll be the commentator, even though I don't know a thing about StarCraft. <laughs> Which is why I'll subcontract my annexation of Canada to Korean StarCraft players. <laughs> I don't know, one thing that's always interested me is, like, instead of war, we just saw things like a game of chess. Like, whatever nation has the best chess player just rules the you world. You mean the entire plot of No Game, No Life? Exactly. I should be watching the first season of that show before it gets to season two. If it gets a season two. I mean, they got a movie. They got to get season two after it. Eventually. This is turning into like the Half-Life 2 of like anime. Or Half-Life 3, I mean. Well, that kind of already happened with a few shows. Yeah, there's a few shows that already have that reputation. There's a few that I've never gotten a season two, even though they deserve it. 
or they have like two seasons but they don't have their third yeah (laughs) did my love story get a second season did it i i never saw it so i had no clue (laughs) it's a great show it's definitely the best shoujo anime that was ever made i think i know what you're talking about though (laughs) Yeah. One anime that I want to rewatch is The Devil's a Part-Timer because I have like nice feelings about that show, but I haven't watched it in years, so I wonder if it's still like as good as I remember it, but they took it off Crunchyroll. So I, have to shame. Get it. I remember it was on Netflix. Yeah, I have to get it illegally now. I remember liking that a lot. That does I don't know if it does deserve a season 2. It probably does. I think it was nice. It was like nice as it is. The plot probably requires yeah. a season two, but the show itself is nice as a one season thing. Yeah, that's how how I remember it. I do want to rewatch it. That's something we could do. We could all like rewatch the show and then talk about it. Yeah, that'll be good. Cause I've got fond memories of that show, but I haven't watched it in like four or five years. It was a long time ago. That was during high school. Yeah. Early in high school. Back during our peak peak weeb days. I didn't even watch all yeah. of it. Really? All I watched was with you guys in the club. <laughs> and I finished it on my own because I was like like entranced enough by the story. I didn't really like the last part because I feel like it came out of left field and was like, oh, I thought we were just going to dick around at McDonald's some more. No, but they had to actually fine. end the season with something. I, remember, I know what you're talking about vaguely. I don't have the best memory about the show, but I know vaguely what you're talking about. They, like, they had to end the show, like the end of the season somehow had to just do something that's the problem dragon yeah. maid had where it ends with like a fight scene out of nowhere even though it's it's nice just as like a comfy show there's a few comfy shows i don't even remember the name <laughs> haven't of. finished dragon maid either <laughs> <laughs> i haven't even seen it i know one comfy anime you finished sam you're camp oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man it was it was me sam jack robin was rico there Rigo missed I, one of Rigo missed one was, of the sessions. Yeah, I think it was there for some of it at least. Yeah, Rigo was there for part of it, but the the four of us watched all of Eurocamp just in Jack's room, and that's very comfy. You know what? I will legalize anime as the president. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Trump's banned anime, so of course we have to <laughs> re-legalize it. All things lead to anime. I will push for Australian New Zealand uh, annexation, like like or like the USA annex both or? Confederation, wherever it is, like them being one country again. They were never one country. Australia put in their constitution that yes, they were. No, they were always colonies, but like. And they were administrated from Australia, both of them. Yeah, kind of, but they're administrated from London, from Australia. Yeah. I think Australia has it in its constitution. That New Zealand can always join, but like they're pretty far away, and like military wise, like if New Zealand gets invaded, it's gonna take Australia a long time to send t- ships over the Tasman. It's true, but who's gonna invade New Zealand? Um, me of course, personally. <laughs> then <laughs> in my submersible trash can. <laughs> I will appoint Grant my Minister of War. Minister of the Trash Can, a.k.a. the War Department. <laughs> I'll legalize all the drugs. All the drugs, legal. I know Portugal did that. And, like, the only way it works is if you have to raise, 
you have to give a lot of money to like the medical sector to deal with the addiction problem but once you deal with like that hurdle i think portugal is doing fine now yeah switzerland did the same thing yeah i mean denver is about to do it i mean they already legalized uh shrooms how many states have legalized pot at this point? Colorado, Washington, uh, California halfway. No, all the way. We did it. We did it all the way. I thought we only did it medically. We did it Reddit. Nope. Yeah, we did Reddit. We made uh, it's totally recreationally legal in California. There are like weed spots all over the place now, except for Bakersfield naturally. Doesn't, no, doesn't Bakersfield, the city, still ban it? Because I know it's like individual cities still ban it in California is the issue now. Yeah, Bakersfield does blanket ban both uh, medical and uh, recreational marijuana. I'd make Magic the Gathering the uh, national sport. Ew, no, <laughs> no, I. <laughs> we are not voting for you anymore. Impeachment. Impeachment. <laughs> impeachment. Magic is, it's it's definitely a well-made card game. I respect the design. It's the most high testosterone sport in the world. <laughs> high testosterone. I don't know. I just find Magic boring to play. I've never played Magic in my life. I do not play any of those sorts of card games. I am a, like, game console PC gamer. Okay. Like, in recent years, I've moved, like, I've stopped playing video games a lot. Like, I've got a long list of games I've never played that I own, but I just don't have time. So I've moved a lot more into board and tabletop games. Bottom line, not enough time. Yeah, like if I had the problem, the problem that I constantly have with my life is I would never have enough time for things. I've got a shelf full of books I've never read. I've got a library of games I've never played, but I just don't have enough time. Not even for D and D. Ah, the segues on this lad. No. Yeah. No, I hate D and D. Like I like board games. But D&D is just something that I can never get into. Or it's derivatives? Like, it's it's derivatives always share the same problem. Like, Pathfinder, I find, shares the same problems as D&D. Every homebrew shares the same underlying problems as D&D, but they get rid of a lot of the individual problems I have. Do you want me to go, like, in-depth into, like, my problems with D&D? Uh, just keep it brief. <laughs> i mean not, i'm fine with that. not possible <laughs> i'm fine with uh more detailed stuff <laughs> yeah sure so, like, you guys care about D a lot more than i do so like thinking about D, what is like the point if you if you get rid of all of the dice rolls and all of the character stuff what's the purpose of D? storytelling exactly now the problem with D is that all of the other elements are antithetical to telling a good story random chance is not good at telling a story and a bunch of people who have no experience in writing or telling stories don't make a good story so D like has a purpose but everything is working against it and what i find is that the stories that D writes are never engaging and then all of the homebrew stories that people try to think of are never good because they don't know how to write a good story that can sustain random elements 
and random character interaction. I always think back to high school. Because our high school, our high school had D and D rivalries. Do you remember that, Sam? <laughs> well, <What>? I, <laughs> I started in D and D as that like died. Yeah. So there were there were two people who ran D and D. One of whom I absolutely hated. Or I'm gonna back up a bit. So there was one D and D club at some mythical point in time in our in our storied history, but there were two people who both wanted to be DM. One of whom is a friend. Divided. Yeah, one of them was a friend of Sam's, and he's he's all right. He's not a bad person. No bad opinions. The other guy absolutely hated him. I couldn't stand him. He refused to shower, and he was almost kicked off our robotics team for refusing to shower. That's God. I hated this. Oh, Zeus. No, no, no. This is the other kid. Zeus is. Zeus I mean, was never in robotics. Yeah, Zeus was never in robotics. Zeus was a good person. No, no bad opinions about Zeus. He's as, he's as weird as anyone else in the D&D club. He's as weird as I was in the D&D club. Oh, that's saying, that's putting it lightly. Well, I'm being generous to the man. That's fair enough. He's a good kid, just, if not a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, Simon had more opportunities to interact with him in class. Yeah. The other guy, I'm not saying his name, because everything I say will be slander, because I absolutely hated him. He was awful. He was in engineering as well, so I spent a lot of time with him where i shouldn't have but that's stories for another time i'm not gonna say his name zeus is a good person so zeus and this other guy both wanted to be dm so they both like split DD club and created two separate DD clubs and i only interacted with zeus's DD club because i couldn't stand the other guy enough and like zeus zeus had stories he wanted to tell but zeus wasn't he wasn't how do i phrase this that's not like overly mean he's not a good writer or he wasn't a good writer back in high school i don't know if things have changed but the story he the stories he would write would never be they'd never be engaging on a character level they'd only like vaguely exist at a meta level like there'd be like he'd set up a world and then he'd have like his idea of the plot and he would try to put people through it. So the problem with D&D... I say that. The problem with D&D storytelling is you have two options. You can either railroad the players through a story. Or you can just let randomness hold sway. And both have their pros and cons. If you try to railroad the characters, it's not engaging for the characters. And if the players don't care about the story, then they're going to be disengaged in the entire affair. But if you let randomness hold sway then the story is going to be completely meaningless. Any plot is going to get thrown to the wayside and you're just going to end up meandering. So to tell a good story in D&D, you have to have an engaging plot, something that's engaging for the characters in the story and a way to handle the randomness. And unless you're like trained in storytelling and you're like the best Goosebumps writer ever, having a story with many characters and many random chance things that can happen is very difficult to do. And I've never been in a D&D campaign where that's been done well. I definitely feel that. I think a thing I also notice is that I think people seem to be a little conceited with like their characters and kind of assume like other people in character know about their character. So like in the most recent campaign I've done, 
there was a lot of times where like there'd be moments where like we're walking in the woods or whatever and i'd be like hey who are you by the way i don't know you in character but not even like i myself like not in the game i don't know your character like i don't know how i should interact with your character since we're not doing anything right now and then they they'd like say something like short to me just like why you could like talk about yourself when i'm asking you like hey who are you I've never had that problem. <clears throat> that I don't see as a massive problem with the D&D as theoretically the D&D is going to be a group like not large but not small and you're going to spend like the I think there's just like a people problem that like yeah, happens. It's, yeah, it's an individual person problem, but that's not a problem I have with D&D. So the characters is probably one of the nicest things about D&D is having like your character and going through a plot with your character, which is why it's annoying when your character has like no like no agency if they're being railroaded or it feels like your character is doing nothing and like the best part about like a book or a video game is the character growth and D&D the whole thing is like antithetical to growth unless the person running the campaign is excellent at writing an individual storyline for your character but that's them trying to mesh with your character who you created and their story that they created They'd have to be incredible to do that. Now, I'm, I'm certain, I'm sure that there's some person out there who can write a story like this. Someone who has these skills, but I've never met them. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of practice as a DM to like pull, like nearly pull that off. Yeah. I think it also comes down to so like. Do you have any thoughts on this? Sorry, Sam had a look that he was thinking. You can continue, Simon. I was going to say, like, I think it also comes down to, like, the people making the char characters as well. Because, like, making a good adventure character is that they have to have a goal that they need to reach. Apart from, like, like the town mayor's, like, hey, I needed to go fetch the Necronomicon for me. Like, the character itself, like, needs to have, like, a goal in life. And, like, why they come to have that goal in life and how they're going to get there. And then if you tell your DM that, then they can work that in the story and that can like make the story better. I completely agree with that. The only problem is then working it into the story, which is like difficult, but not hard. impossible. Yeah, it's hard. So I completely agree with that. Every character should have a goal that they're working towards their own sort of plot line. Cause that's what's going to be engaging for the individual player playing that character. But it just, once again, makes it harder for the DM. It makes it like harder to find a person who's going to be good at DMing this kind of game. Like the most recent character I made, I actually put in the effort to be like, what's this person's backstory? Where do they come from? Where are they going? What's their goal? Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm really like, like that's the only character I've written out of three. It's like, hey, I really do care about this character because, like, I know this person, I guess. But not really. And then, like, I don't know, it kind of feels insulting when, like, people are like, I'm just not even going to talk to you as, like, a character level, even though, like, it makes sense for, like, us as, like, a group who do not know each other previously to, like, get to know each other. Yeah, that's more of a people problem than a D&D &D problem. <laughs> yeah.
I'm just playing with shitty people. <laughs> you need to find better players. <laughs> like, they're my good friends, but, like, holy moly. <laughs> I think my current problem with writing like a character is like not just having it be my personality, like trying to make a different personality. I definitely need to work on that. With all yeah. my characters that I've created, when I do think of a backstory, it's usually after the campaign has started. So I don't think of a backstory beforehand nor discuss it with him till after I think of it. Yeah, I mean, think of it afterwards. The DM just has to then work it in late, which is just again difficult. <laughs> Not impossible, just difficult, and requires amount of like, like a creative writing skill that most people don't have, or they at least need a lot of practice to nail down. Exactly. Because I think, like, how it should be is, like, a DM will, like, write a story and then, like, go to, like, the D like his group and be like, I'm running a campaign. Here is, like, the overarching story. Make your characters. Like, but then the story has to be, like, vague and allow branching narratives. Because the whole point of D&D, &D, like, if we move into the mechanic side of D&D... &D, I mean, you can, like, railroad them a little bit, like... You're going to be trying to do this. Yeah, trying to do something, yes. But there should be, like, failure states. Because moving into the like, mechanics, D&D &D is just a random chance. So your story has to allow that at any moment, things can change, everything can go wrong. So, like, every decision that you have, like, in your campaign, there needs to be a failure state and a way to move on from there. Because I remember there was a campaign in high school that we did. Like, our characters were breaking out of a prison. And no matter what we did or how we rolled, the DM just kept pushing us through. So like, no matter, like, what we did, there was always, like, another way out. Like, if we failed distracting the guards, there was, like, a sewer grate. And, like, whenever we failed, there was never a failure state. There was always just, like, another path to get back on the railroad track. So... Like, yes, it needs to be a story ahead of time, but the story needs to be, like, vague, allow for characters and their own plots, and allow for failure states. Yeah. You know, it definitely needs to be thought of ahead of time. A, a campaign can never be done, like, uh, just starting from scratch, like, at random. That's never going to be possible. I think uh, for the campaigns that I've been in, they've either... Some have been railroaded, and then others have usually had, like, you can kind of, like, go whichever path you do, or choose whatever path you want, but you'll, but you'll reach the same end. Or at least, that's how it felt like he was wanting to do it. Like, he wanted to reach a certain end point. And then another one is more... <laughs> And then the most recent one we're doing can actually have, like, multiple endings, depending on what we choose to do. Yeah, and both of those make sense. You can have, like, failure states that still lead to the same ending, 
but there has to be like a different path taken. It can't just be like a one-stop detour to get back on the main track. And then, yeah, multiple endings is the easy way to do failure states. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and for me, when it comes to playing D&D, I care... I care more for, like, role-playing my character and the interactions we have in the world. <laughs> exactly. And now, I'm going to use that to move on to part two, where my, my a second problem with D&D is the fact that I only care about my character... And everyone else could just not be there. And my, the experience would be almost the same. So, like, every other person's turn in D&D is the most boring thing in the world. Because I do not care about them. And I do not care about whatever arc they're going through. Like, I care about my character and my character's story. But I've never been in a story where the other people have stories of their own that I care about, like, listening into. So, like, during other people's turns, I'd rather just pull out my phone and play on a game and wait till it becomes my turn again. I feel you. Yeah. Other people's turns are the worst. Yeah, it's just... You do nothing. That's it. You're just waiting. Yeah, exactly. Now, in the D&D mechanics, there, is, there are ways to interact on other players' turns, but... The D&D mechanics are their own mess. So most, almost all D&D I've been a part of has either been Pathfinder or Homebrew. Because most people... Because the D&D the mechanics themselves are unwieldy and annoying. Like if you read the actual D&D rules about combat, it's awful. So many dice rolls, so much stuff has to take place. That most people don't, most people that I know, at least, don't play actual D&D with D&D rules. They play their own little homebrew version, which is better, but still not good. Just just thinking of how, like, how actual D&D spells work and how my DM doesn't, like, use any of the D actual D&D spell mechanics. Exactly. It's, it's way easier to homebrew. And D&D is nice in a way that it is easy to homebrew. Like, D&D is a game that you can play it without ever reading the rule book. That's one of the, that's one of the good things about D&D. But no, yeah, other people's turns are the worst. I was like, the last few sessions, like, I actually just brought my Switch and just played that for a little bit. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that level of disengagement is something that I dislike, like, especially in a board game. Like, whenever we're... Whenever I'm having my board game group of friends over and we're playing a board game, the whole point is that none of us are looking at our phones because we're all engaged in the game. Especially with uh, games like Magic Maze, uh, where it's, everything's like real time and there's literally no time to look at your phone. Or in games like Betrayal, where other people's turns actually matter for what's going to happen on your turn. There's, there's an art to making a game where I care about other people. I even get that during combat where like when other people are doing their thing, I get bored. Yeah, exactly. Because like it'd be like six other people have to go and are just like, Jesus fuck. I have to wait. You have to wait for all their dice rolls, all their movement. I've considered like buying or using a timer or suggesting it to the DM of like having five minutes like out of combat, like actions. Like when we're not in combat, each player gets like five minutes to like 
interact in the world. If and that. If five minutes. But usually that wouldn't be. <laughs> We've had like a half hour session where everyone uses a store and it was the absolute worst time I've had in D&D. <sighs> like you can't do that like in between sessions. Like what the fuck? No, that, yeah, that sounds just awful. Like st- stuff like that should be done. Or people who min-max. Those are the worst. I have a friend who does that. I had him do it for me. It was great. No, because I'm the, I'm that kind of per- I'm that kind of person. I do it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I so, try to stop. <laughs> new thing that I just like about D and D is when I play a game, I like to game the game. I I, I like the meta game around the game. Cheat, quote unquote, cheat the system. Yeah, quote unquote, cheat the system. And that's why. Yeah. I've been like holding myself back, so I have. Because if you don't, you just get murked instantly. The game is not friendly. I like the feeling. Yeah, I like the feeling of, like, understanding the game's mechanics and then like, like, figuring out a combo that like the designers didn't think of. Or I I like finding the like the best like technique and like the best like way to play. That's why I've been holding back. I've got a game called Letters from Whitechapel. And the whole point of the game is, like, for Jack the Ripper, it's it's Jack the Ripper in London and police trying to catch him. Jack the Ripper's trying to, like, kill all the prostitutes and the police trying to catch him. And Jack the Ripper has to pick a base tile. And the base tile is just a building in the city of London. And I've been holding myself back for months not to just, like, mathematically calculate, like, which tile is the best based on number of connections to the street, number of connections to alleyways, distance from the prostitutes distance from all the policemen i've been just like trying my best not to do that but i've just i'm the kind of person who likes the meta game of a game and D does not allow that well D base game does because D base game has like a list of spells a list of weapons and like a order of operations for all the like everything you do but in a homebrew, there's no real way to min-max. And in Pathfinder, there are ways to min-max, but most people don't play with the exact rules. Yeah. That reminds me of a video I saw on, like, he reviews, like, he's reviewed a few of the D&D classes, and, like, he also ranks them, like, how strong they are, <laughs> like, throughout the game. <laughs> so, yeah, certain classes are just, like, better than others in general. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, friend who in a recent campaign, like, he min-maxed, like, this one spell where, like, if he grabs you, he can electrocute you and do, like, at least, like, 81 points of damage. Which is absolutely ridiculous when you're, like, level 5. Like, I don't know how he figured it out, but he did. And then I had to min-max my characters so I could have a... I was a gunslinger, so he gave me two pistols, and I could do six attacks with flintlock pistols per turn. And then I could quick reload them, so I didn't have to use a turn to reload my six shots and flintlock pistols, so I was absolutely overpowered, and it was hilarious. Have you guys ever tried to actually load a flintlock in real life? No. God, it is so No, but I know, I know the order of operations. Yeah, because uh, I was with the Boy Scouts when we were at the local shooting range, and a person... It was like a scoutmaster. He brought a black powder rifle and a flintlock. Packing down the gunpowder was so difficult. Like the, like, I was like 14 at the time. And I couldn't, like, I physically couldn't load the black powder rifle. Like, I couldn't press down hard enough to, like, load the gunpowder. 
And I was like, just barely able to load the footlock. It's really hard. Mad respect for, like, ancient, like, musketeermen. It's hard. I mean, I know they could get three shots off in a minute. Yeah. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, it's incredibly impressive. Anyway, I, a noblewoman underwater, could load six within, like, 15 seconds. Okay, no. Underwater gunpowder <laughs> does not function. <laughs> I know. Now, I just have a lot of problems with D&D, &D, and, like, D&D, &D, in my mind, it's never better than just doing something else. So, like, D&D... Other players' turns are awful, turns take too long, the mechanics are bad if you're playing original, or they're inconsistent if you're playing homebrew, the stories is never worth it, it never matters, so why not just do something else? Like, Well, I do have an alternative. Like, just hanging out with your friends and doing something else would be more fun than playing D&D. Like, if you just imagine your D&D &D crew and you guys were just doing something else. Getting some beers with the boys. Yeah, if you're just, like, if you're all just, like, getting beers and you're just, I don't know, like, playing Smash. Or you're all, like, watching a movie. Isn't that, like, that, is, that just feels more fun. Just hanging out with people you like to be around. Rather than constraining yourself to this awkward game. I think a lot of people are just, like, being creative and expressive. I think that's an hour to do it with with your friends. I guess. It's sort of why I like it. Yeah, D and D offers more, like, unique interactions. And like, you get to go out with like a story. Like the, uh, it's far beyond a homebrew, but. Uh, my friend, who's the coincidentally the one who got not only got me into D and D, but the one who. Uh, ran this uh, particular game and stole it from a friend of his. Pretty much the uh, gig was, is that uh, he wanted to make a world, but he didn't want to think of it himself. He wanted to come like naturally. So he like took the, our whole crew and he pretty much said, uh, the grand creator God has chosen you in a lottery and you are now a God with godly powers, right? And you have this blank slate of an ocean, like this just straight ocean or just a world. And you get to create your uh, continents, your races, and everything in between on this world. With a few, like, there's like a system where like, you can only like exert yourself so much in a turn. But people, like, there are ways to game it and people found out how to game it. And then uh, <laughs> it got ridiculous. But like, there's so many like good stories that you, that come from that. And it's definitely like probably the most interesting and like a thing that sticks with me the most in my life and it went on for two years and i died <laughs> nine times i died seven to nine times i lost count of how many times i died as a god dindy has the human element that adds drama which is quite nice yeah i mean every time i died it was definitely like emotional for me because like that's my character i spent a lot of time making him and i've gotten to know him over two years you have to create a new god every time you died? Start nope. from scratch again. I just kept getting... I had a... Uh, Lovecraftian benefactor. Okay. So that, 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 sort of, yeah. that sort of ruins the impact, but whatever. 
I know. I, it made it funny, but, like, it's definitely an interesting character trait. But, like, we still reference it. Like, we ended it, like, a year ago, I think. But we still reference it to this day. And then the uh, role I mentioned where uh, I have a friend who's, like, really overpowered. Like, that was, like, the original intent was to, like, have a game like that. Where we made the world, we made the races, and now we get to play in it. And that's, like, the coolest thing I've ever done. Because, like, I know about this world. I helped create it. I know its history. I know the people in it. I know what they speak, blah, blah, blah. So it's, like, really cool. That's a nice way of doing the world building. Takes a long time, but it's worth it. I mean, it does. It, but that, I mean, that gets you slightly more invested in the, more invested in the world, but it doesn't solve any of the other problems with D&D. So is just, is the creative outlet enough? Like, is making decisions that you, I don't know, you can't make in other card games or other board games, is that enough to spend uh, two hours meeting once a, two years meeting once a week for, I'm assuming it's one hour? That's still... Several hours. Yeah, several uh, hours. Yeah, several hours. So a minimum 100 hours. For sure. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Really? All right. Yeah, we find enough enjoyment with that amount of time. I think I'm about to do it again, actually, but... I already have, like, a new character and everything. It's great. Like, I pretty much made, like, a fascist Viking empire that kept on getting wrecked, and it was awesome. I made Valhalla, and I got to summon it. I, like, I only summoned it once, but it was awesome. It felt so good. I don't know. In my... In my mental calculus of all this, I don't have that kind of time. I don't have 100 to 500 hours to spend on an activity that may or may not be fulfilling. It was a son of a bitch. It's a son of a bitch to, you know, get that many, rope that many people. It was not that many people. I think at most we had seven people. Seven to eight to nine people. It was like a pretty big size for a D&D thing, but it was like... I guess because, like, you can interact outside of the game with the uh, DM for, like, personal things, like, your character, and I think that really helped with, like, developing, the like, your own character and then later you get to interact and then you learn, like, oh, here's what they did in the meantime. Okay. It was, like, a giant Civ game, but, like, instead of just, like, clicking on things, you got to be, like, fly down as, like, a god and be, like, here's what we're doing. I'm going to give you these things. I'm going to, like create a forest with just like divine energy and just be like here's free wood and like whatever it's awesome peter molyneux tried to make a video game like that but it completely flopped because he couldn't like create what he wanted to make well he should have just gotten his buds and done that just have a game <laughs> game like that where you can just like create a pupil and then base our economy on salmon because you fucking can Which is what I will do as president. One dollar be equivalent to one pound of salmon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I never have the time. Spending 100, 200 hours on an activity that I'm rolling dice on if this is going to be fun. I don't have the time for that. I barely have the time for the stuff I actually enjoy rather than 
risking my time on an activity that, while could be incredibly enjoyable with people I care about, it could just easily be boring and unenjoyable for ages. I just never have enough time for whatever I want to do. And yet I spent five hours today playing Minecraft. I feel you. I'm always like, hey, I should study one of my two languages. And then I'm like, oh, let's just play Minecraft instead. I can do that tomorrow. <laughs> All right, we're going to try to stop. Wait. I... <laughs> oh, wait, wait. <laughs> Final announcement. Fire Emblem Three Houses hype. <laughs> Which only I care about. <laughs> Yeah, Simon for president.